Hey, everybody. How's it going tonight? Have you guys had a good day? That's good to hear. Thank you for that participation. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was quiet out there for a little bit, but uh, thank you for coming to Saturday night service here at the Skillman Church of Christ, and uh, I tell you, this is good for the soul, isn't it? Uh, it's good to see all of you here, and I just want to extend a, a great welcome. Thank you for coming. And if you're new here, uh, I don't know if I see anybody new, but, but if you are new here, uh, welcome. Welcome to, to this. This is a great place to be and a great family. Uh, last Sunday uh, was a, a memorable Sunday for this church family. And uh, I don't know if you were here or if you were part of it, but uh, it was announced last Sunday that um, one of the beloved ministers here uh, was going to resign uh, from the church, and there's going to be some uh, changes uh, in the leadership. And uh, it was a, uh, a tough Sunday, uh, a Sunday that very, very memorable in a lot of ways, and I think one of the memories that I'll take with on this was, uh, and I don't know if you guys were there, you were on here on Saturday, but on Sunday, it was over in the big auditorium, and after the services were over, uh, there was just a flock of people that just rushed down to the front uh, in solidarity, you know, and there were tears, and uh, there was uh, shock in the, in the audience, there were hugs. But uh, what I saw there is I saw love. I saw love. And then uh, last Sunday, uh, we gathered here in this very room. In fact, there were just stairs, chairs kind of lined up, and we gathered here, and hand in hand, together as a church family, uh, we prayed together. Uh, we prayed together as a church, hand in hand, side by side, uh, for this congregation and for moving forward uh, and uh, asking God to really be a part of what's going on here at Skillman. You know, and Jake and I, we were tasked with the, uh, the blessing and the opportunity uh, uh, to speak today. Um, and, and, you know, you know we kind of struggled with what to say. And we got to the whiteboard, and we're just really, really thinking about what uh, message would be good to share uh, on, a, on a Sunday like today, or a Saturday like today. Uh, we know, uh, you know, there's questions. There's still questions out there about, you know, what's going to look like moving forward? What now? How do we move forward? Is this church going to continue to grow, or, you know, is, is it going to fizzle out and die? Do, do I still belong here? Do I still have a place in this church body uh, here at Skillman? And these are, these are questions that, that may have arisen uh, this past week. And so today, uh, with the text in Acts, Acts chapter 10 and 11, uh, we're going to look at a, at a time in the New Testament church when the, the church there actually faced a, a situation Similar, a situation where there was change and there was uncertainty. And we'll ask the question tonight, where was God through that process? And what does it mean for us today? And I'm going to play my cards up front. Our desire today, our desire, our hope is that you guys leave encouraged. Our message today is a message of hope. Our desire today is to remember that God is still with us, right? God is still for us, and God is working amidst our own uncertainty. So it seems uh, like the right thing to do to turn to Scripture when you don't exactly know uh, what to say. And so tonight I want to remind you that we have been talking about this story of Peter and Cornelius. And Peter has been invited into Cornelius' home, something that 
up until this point, Peter would never have seen himself doing. He never would have imagined that that was the place he would have been in. And so we're going to pick up the story that we've been in uh, for several months, talking through the book of Acts, uh, and see what Acts has to say for us this evening. So if you would please, we're going to read just one verse to start, uh, because it's enough for us to chew on for a little while. So Acts 10, uh, starting in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Another translation says, Peter took a deep breath and began. It's become clear to me that God really does show no favoritism. God shows no favorites. God doesn't pick sides. And that's one of the difficult things that Peter has to wrestle with in this part of the story of the early church. Because up until this point, Peter has grown up his entire life hearing, believing that he was part of God's specially chosen people. And that because he was part of God's specially chosen people, that he had a special status that nobody else had. That if you weren't Jewish, that you didn't have that status. And so Peter is now in Cornelius' home, having to wrestle with the fact that everything that he's ever thought and believed might be wrong. It might be different than what he thought. Uh, and, and I don't want to downplay this. I, want, I actually want to build it up quite a bit because everything in Peter's life has led him to this point where he's now at a point where he has to decide to deny what's going on or to change everything about who he is. And he comes to this realization. God shows no favorites. Imagine that in light of the story of Israel. Imagine that in the light of, uh, of Peter growing up learning the words in Genesis, Exodus, the Torah, the, the words that would have said that God specially chose Abraham and his family and their descendants and said, you are my people. And then on throughout Israel's history that they would uh, have the temple, the place where God specially came uh, and connected with his people on earth. And now Peter is in Cornelius' house and he learns something new. God shows no favorites. He doesn't pick sides. God is different. God does something entirely different. So in the rest of this story that we're going to read tonight, uh, the rest of chapter 10, Peter goes into a little bit of a speech, and he's trying to work this out. And you can tell at the beginning of the speech that he, he's, he's got to wrestle with this history because he's going to talk about how Israel and, and his people are God's specially chosen people. But then he gets to the point where he can't deny that God is working in a new way amongst a different group of people. So let's pick up the story there in verse 35. So God shows no favorites, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead, and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of both the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him 
receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then the big event of Acts chapter 10 happens, and the, the language all of a sudden changes from the people of Israel and those who were chosen beforehand by God to this. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so Peter says, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for several days. So here's the thing about this story. Uh, Not only does Peter have to change everything about him, but we find out that the Spirit of the living God comes upon the Gentiles. Uh, Chances are, if you've got a Bible with you uh, tonight, or if you're looking at your phone, that there might be a heading in there that says the conversion of Cornelius and his household, or the conversion of the Gentiles. But here's the thing. It's not just about their conversion. It's about Peter's conversion. Because Peter gets converted in this story, and that's something that should astonish each and every one of us, because Peter is the leader of the church. Uh, It's not just he's the leader of a church, he's the leader of the whole church. Everybody, every believer, Peter's the head of it, and he gets converted in this story. He finds out something new about God, and he turns to God and says, this doesn't go with what I thought before, but I'm willing to follow my God, even to something that I never thought would have happened before. Uh, Peter, uh, remember, is this huge character. He's this massive character, this person that Jesus says he's going to build the church upon. He's the rock upon which the church will be built. He's the Peter who is there with Jesus in the garden. He's there with Jesus at the transfiguration. It's the same Peter who time and time again is with Jesus in his most intimate, awe-inspiring moments. And Peter finds out in Acts chapter 10 that as much as he knows Jesus, he still has a whole lot to learn about God. Peter gets converted. He changes who he is and what he believes because he sees what God is doing, something that ultimately he never saw coming. God does not pick sides. He does not pick favorites. This is the God who chose us all, who was even willing to die for each and every one of us, not because he had chosen a specific group of people, but because he chose us all. We're all God's creation. There's a great image still to be seen from this story, I think. Uh, It's an image that I really, really like, and I hope that it's something that impacts you as well. Because if you think about who Cornelius is, Cornelius, we find out earlier on in chapter 10, he's this God-fearing Gentile, which basically means that he believes the story that the Jews tell. He believes in this same God, but he hasn't fully taken the steps to commit to it. Uh, he hasn't undergone circumcision. He hasn't become a part of the religious, uh, the religious Judaism. And so Cornelius, imagine the scene that he's in. He's this God-fearing Gentile who believes in God, but he doesn't have access to him. I think of this as God living in a home, and those who, who have the right uh, you know, heritage, who have the right pedigree, are allowed to come in and out. They're allowed to go uh, into the house to be with God. They're allowed to go about their daily life. Uh, It's it's the temple, right? It's this home. It's God's dwelling place. Cornelius isn't allowed in. 
he's got his face and his hands pressed up against the window, and he's looking in. He sees God. He sees the fire in the fireplace. He sees the warmth that God's spirit spreads throughout the house. And so Cornelius is up against the window. He's as close as he can possibly get, but he can't come any further. There's a little barrier still in the way. And up until this point, Peter would have said, that's right. You can see God. You can worship this God. But there's a little bit of a barrier there. But God, he's not in the house just waiting for people to come in. God is looking, and he sees Cornelius in the window. And God runs to the window and throws it open. Before Cornelius can say or do anything, God runs over to the door, and he pulls it back, and he beckons Cornelius. He goes out, and he grabs him, and he brings him in, and he says, Cornelius, come into this house because I don't pick sides. I don't have favorites. The door is open. Come in. Chances are, whether it's been this past week or some other time, maybe it hadn't happened yet. But chances are, each and every one of us is going to find ourselves in Cornelius' shoes, on the outside looking in. Maybe it's because of a relationship. Maybe it's because of a job. Uh, maybe it's because of what happened here at, ch- at this church this week, where we had uh, a very painful moment last week, where we had people leave, questions to ask. Chances are, at some point, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. And it's in that moment that God rushes to the window, throws it open, rushes to the door, pulls it back, and invites you in. Because this is the God who's chosen us all. This is the God who doesn't pick sides. This is the God who doesn't have favorites. We thought at this point in the the sermon, what we would do is uh, we wanted to kind of speak candidly, kind of speak... uh, a direct message to uh, different groups that may uh, be in, uh, in this church body and give a fresh word of encouragement uh, to these specific groups and um, to share what, what's on our heart uh, to, this, to these people. And so the first group are the visitors uh, that are here today or those that are maybe here, uh, have been here for a short time. And again, you've, <clears throat> you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. And you kind of come into... Uh, uh, a time in our church where you know, we're kind of working through some things, and it's kind of a new, a new beginning, a new reality. And as a visitor here, I want you to know this, that uh, in, this, in this church body, we're Christians, and we have a certain way of dealing with conflict and, and anxiety or, uh, or uh, obscurity. What we, what we want to do is we, we name that problem, we face it, we address it. And we do it in a loving way, moving forward together. And we'd love for you to, to continue coming back as we work through this together as a church. And, and uh, we need you. We need you here. The other group is a group that doesn't have a lot of representation tonight. Uh, but it's members of our church who have been here for years and years. Uh, and there are members of our church who have uh, not just been here, but who have been here for their life. Been here for decades. Uh, and they've committed to this place. And so one of the things that we want to make sure that we communicate tonight is that this is your church. For the people who have been here time and time again, for the people who have gone through uh, minister after minister, uh, challenge after challenge, faith uh, crisis after faith crisis, this is your church. I know this is your church because you've served and lived faithfully in this place. 
And it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, there's a lot of people who have been a part of this community who have seen it change, who remember back to 20 or 30 years ago uh, when our, our big auditorium next door was packed and full. Uh, and we've seen it change. And as people have gone and as people have left and, and moved, we've seen a lot of difficulty through that. But this is your church. And I'm so glad it is because that group of people has built this church to be a place where I am welcome. Because you are welcome. This is the church that that community of people built, where all have been welcomed in, and all have been invited in, and all have been told that you matter here, and that we're so thankful to have you. So the people uh, out there who are a little bit younger in age, let me hear you. Let me hear you out there. Yeah. We have a message for you. <laughs> I say you raise your hand. <laughs> we'll put you in. We'll claim you. Uh, to the people who are younger in age, uh, this is your church as well. Hear, the, hear these words. This is your church as well. You know, many of our generation, many of our, our, uh, our friends, you know, they're not coming to these things. They, uh, you know, they don't come to church. They, they do their own thing on Saturdays or Sundays. and you know, They've kind of abandoned the whole idea of, you know, the institution. You know, because they, uh, they think it's too messy. Uh, too many problems, you know, too much distractions. But I want to say to you here today, this is your church. You know, and, and it's, it's encouraging, you know, you know this New Testament that, that we have, this Bible, you know, it's, it's the New Testament was written within a 40-year span, just about 40 years. And look at all the problems these guys faced. I mean, we have a whole book full of problems. And this was just, you know, a 40-year span, but you can see that God had still worked through that. This is your church, and, and you have a place because you have work to do. We have work to do. You know, our generation, we're all about making this world a better place, aren't we? We want to make this world better. We want to contribute to a better place. And, and we feel the answer to that is, is Jesus. The more Jesus, the better, because Jesus is love. Jesus is love. So the more love in this world, the better it is. And, you know, you can fight that battle by yourself, or we can do it together. This church, look to your left, look to your right. We can do this together in the name of Jesus. This is your church. And we're so glad that you're here today. Okay, one more group. Uh, the group of people who are upset, who are angry, who are confused, who are afraid. This is your church. And I know that maybe tonight, uh, maybe in the weeks to come, that there might be somebody in the room that's hard to look at. There might be somebody in the room that's hard to speak to. And that might not have anything to do with what happened in our congregation over the past week. That might just be because of life. But we want you to know that this is your church. And I hope that you learn from Peter. I hope we all learn from Peter. That each and every one of us have a lot to learn about this God that we follow, this God that we worship. Peter meets Cornelius, and he knows this is not the way God works. But Peter gets converted. I hope we all do. God is in this place. Today we acknowledge that each and every one of us have a need to turn to God. So we've identified a couple of groups, and we've said that this is your church. But more important than your church 
This is the church of the risen Lord Jesus. Amen. This is God's church, and we get to be a part of it. What a joy, what a privilege, what a mess. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is the church of the risen Lord Jesus. And so we'll continue to worship time and time again, this God that each and every one of us continue to learn more and more about. And what a message of hope today, right? I mean, Acts chapter 10 and 11, this idea of Cornelius, and, uh, you know, this idea that, th- that God doesn't pick favorites. Everyone's invited to the party. Everyone is included. It doesn't matter that you are a part of God's family. And, you know, we as humans, human beings, we are really, really good at separating ourselves and finding ways to make division. We're really good at dividing ourselves. I mean, we are experts at building walls. We are experts at creating separation, whether it's by your age, whether it's by your, your political views, your race, your socioeconomic status, which, whether it's the football team you cheer for. We are experts at dividing ourselves and making divisions. But you know what? Here in the church, in the church of the, the risen Lord Jesus, we don't play that game, do we? We don't play the game of walls and separation because here in the church, everybody is invited to the table. God doesn't choose favorites. And you know, when Peter is explaining this new earth-shaking revelation to uh, the people in Acts, he says something in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, that really speaks speaks to me, and it's an amazing, amazing sentence. He says in 17 of of chapter 11, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Who was I to think that I could oppose God? A different version, the New Revised Standard Version, says, who was I that I could hinder God? The New King James says, who was I that I could withstand God? God. In the Spanish Bible, it says, ¿Quién soy yo para pretender estobar a Dios? That's for you, June. A little Spanish. Who was I to oppose God? Who, who, who are we to think that we could get in the way of God? And for all of us here today, when we hear these words, we should breathe a huge sigh of relief. Because ultimately, this reminds us that God is in charge. Who are we to think that we could ultimately withstand God to get in his way? Because God is at work. God has been at work. I mean, the Spirit has been at work at the Skillman Church of Christ since 1910, when a group of people met in a house on Bennett Street. You weren't there, Dave, were you? (laughs) I mean, since 1910, there has been ups and there have been downs, but through it all, you know, God has been at work. I mean, listen to the stories. You know, talk to Dave. He'll tell you some amazing things that has happened here at Skillman, lives that have been changed. Uh, God has been at work. I mean, just look in the New Testament, you know, this 40 years I was talking about, all the problems and high drama more than The Bachelor. You know, it's, it's high drama in these 40 years. And God won, you know, didn't he? I mean, we're still here. We're talking about Jesus today, despite the shortcomings there in the New Testament. 
Look what God did. Despite our short-sightedness, God will continue to work. And every time we try to build walls, every time we try to divide ourselves, whether it is by age, whether it's by race or socioeconomic status, political views, God looks at us and he says, no, 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 no. We don't play that game. We don't play that game. In fact, he throws that door open. The window is just, you know, it's, it's just flung right, right there, and the curtain is torn. He says time and time again, we are all in this together. You know, there is no us and them. There is only us. So, you know, what now? What about, what about us? You know, what about Skillman? How do, how do we move forward? What is next for this congregation? Well, I want you guys to listen here because I. here's what I think we should do. Here's what, here's what I think we should do as a church body. We need to seek justice. Love mercy. We need to walk humbly. We as a church, we need to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. We need to love our neighbor as ourself. We need to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. We need to love our enemies. We need to turn the other cheek. We need to speak for those that are marginalized. We need to help those that are poor. We need to feed those that are hungry. That is what we're about. Who's with me on that? This is like a parade, man, where everyone is invited. No, there's no spectators at this parade. The door has been flung wide open. The window is, is there to, to go right through. You know, somebody once asked me, he said, you know, is the church more like an orphanage or is it more like a family? Because, you know, in an orphanage, what you have are a couple of overworked underpaid people serving the needs of people that can't do it themselves and that model is not sustainable but what if the church is more like a family which i believe to be true because in a family everybody is involved everybody has a has a place at the table everyone has a part to play you know in my family i got I got four young kids, and in my family, the idea of contributing starts really early. I mean, if you have two legs and you can walk, you're fair game. You're going to contribute. I mean, washing the dishes, making the bed, sweeping the floor, cleaning the sink. You know, we're all going to do this together. It's, it's not just, you know, me. It's, it's a family Deal. In fact, I, I joke with Tara all the time. I say, Tara, one of my dreams is that I'm on a couch with some iced tea and all my kids are cleaning the house around me. You see, in a family, there are no spectators, right? Everybody is invited to the table. Everyone is, is, is there. The door's open. Come on in. We are a family, aren't we? And we're the Skillman family. And you know who our, our father is? God. God is our father. You know, and there will be ups and there will be downs. 
But listen here. And the story reminded us, God will still be at work despite those. Who are we to get in God's way? And we're going to do this hand in hand and side by side. Hand in hand and side by side. We're going to do something a little uncomfortable right now. Uh, but we, what we would like to do is just have you guys take the person's hand that's to your right and to your left. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray uh, here in a little bit. But as an act of solidarity, I thought we would do this hand in hand and side by side. And if you need to squeeze together, you know, or, or go somewhere else, feel free to do that. Uh, but what, I, what I'd like to do is I'm going to start a prayer. And uh, about halfway through my prayer, I'm just going to stop praying. And there's going to be a, a moment of no speaking from the stage. And this will be a time for you to do a couple things if you'd like. You can, uh, you know, pray. I think one, one of us be back, back in the back. Uh, I'll be in the back room. If you, want, if you have something specific to pray about, feel free to come meet me back there. And we can pray together. But, you know, you, have, you are holding someone's hand. <laughs> you know, there's someone to your right and to your left. And if you want to pray for something, we'd like to encourage you also to pray with that person. Pray for the church, pray for your family, pray for the world, pray for America, pray, you, you have someone to pray with right now during this time. Or if you also, if you just want to spend this time in, in private prayer to God, please use this time to do that as well. You have a lot of options, but we'll, I'm going to begin this praying right now, and, and there'll be a time of, of uh, a little bit of silence, and then uh, the, the praise team will, will pick us up after, after a while, and we'll begin the communion and, and uh, the rest of the service. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so humbled to be here today as a family. And we know that sometimes families, uh, it's not always a smooth ride. And there are some times where there's struggle and uncertainty. But Father, we're also reminded that you know, you're always going to be here, and you're always going to be working, and you have a plan. And despite our shortcomings, and despite sometimes the mistakes that we make, that, that you're going to get what you want done, done, because you're God. And we thank you for that. It gives us that peace. It takes the pressure off, you know, because ultimately you are in charge. Father, uh, we thank you for this church, and you know, sometimes a church can be, a, you know, a, a beautiful mess. You know, it's messy, but at the same time, it's beautiful. We thank you for this opportunity to live side by side and, and to be hand in hand together for you.